Thanks, worship team. You guys can be seated if you want. Oh, God is good. Amen. I uh, love coming to a time of corporate worship because I love hearing our voices lift together. It encourages me, and I know that God is honored and glorified by it. So a couple of housekeeping announcements. Uh, one, we have a website. We want you to go there and check things out so that you know about like kids camp that's upcoming um, or the baby bottle fundraiser that we've been running and like different things like this. And two, uh, we sometimes send out emails. And so if you don't get those and you want to know about like the odd thing here or there going on, like for example, maybe this week, uh, we'll be sending out an email letting you guys know when Pastor Scott and Carrie's like shipping container will arrive and then they're hoping that some of us can come and help unpack it. Um, that would be how we want to communicate that to you. So if you're not getting our emails, uh, just come see one of us after the service and we'll make sure we get your correct details and add you to the list. Other than that, we love our children and we are going to dismiss them to Children's Church. So if you have kids between four and grade four, you can sign them in downstairs and then sign them back out after the service. They do belong to you. We just help along the way. Um, and finally, we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray for the kids, for the service, and for our offering uh, to God that we get to use as a local church. So would you bow your head with me? Father God, we're so grateful that we are a local church, that we're a church family and we get to do life together. And God, sometimes that means we get to send our kids downstairs to be blessed, to learn. Um, and Lord, we just pray that today your truth would be sunk deep into their hearts and minds, that you would just fill their teachers, give them your joy and patience and grace as they lead these little ones to know you more and help us as parents and adults to continue to do that throughout the week. And God, we just ask that you would bless our gifts and our offerings. Help us to be good stewards as a church, um, but help us to be a generous people that we would use that uh, money to pay for things like the building, but also to minister to our community so that we could be your hands and feet and that people would see the love of Jesus practically. And finally, God, we just ask that today you would open our ears. Thank you for this time of worship we've had. Lord, speak to us. Grow us, challenge us, equip us, heal us, make us more like you, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. It is a joy to be with you here in Prince George. We finally made it. Two months. And uh, I tell you what, it has been a busy two months for us, selling our home in Surrey, buying a home here, packing, loading, preparing, finishing up all of our responsibilities uh, back there, and uh, getting into our new duties here. But we are so excited to be here, and uh, again, I just want to remind you that uh, my wife Carrie is here, and our son Spencer, that uh, many of you haven't met yet, uh, he wasn't here when we came and presented ministry. He is going to be living with us here in Prince George. And my other son, Coulter, uh, is out from Ontario to help us with the move. But he was home this morning with the TELUS guys, making sure that we get internet. So we're hoping that he gets in for at least part of the service. But uh, if you see uh, a guy with a beard slipping in quietly, just try not to stare too long. But uh, 
Anyways, those are our sons, Coulter and Spencer. We're proud of them. They're great guys. And, um, and then Coulter has to fly out pretty much right after the service back to Ontario, where he lives. But we're glad that he was able to help us in this adventure. So coming through, um, we just moved from Surrey. And God was so good. I think some of you received the, the praise report. On day one that we listed our home, we had a buyer. And uh, we got a good price for it. But you think, well, that's normal. That's Vancouver. Well, typically it is. However, things have been slowing down the last month or two, and uh, things are not moving as fast as you would think. In fact, our real estate agent, who's a, a former pastor and a good friend of ours, he has several properties currently listed that he had to drop the prices on, just not getting any nibbles. So it really is an answer to prayer that on day one we had an offer because right as the bubble crested is when we listed it, and now it is deflated a little bit in the Fraser Valley, lower mainland area, but it'll probably come back as it tends to do. And then the Lord bless us with uh, getting into a home here, and we're only 10 minutes away from the church, and we wanted good proximity to things that we needed to be involved in. So thank you for your prayers. We are excited to be here. We know that God has good plans for this church and we believe that he's called us to reap a harvest field while there is time. Do you believe that? Say amen. amen. To reap the fields, work the fields, because there's so many people that need Jesus. We have the answer. We have the way, the truth, and the life, and that's Christ. And it's up to us now to live our faith and to influence people and to bring them to that place where they can come to know him as well. It's funny, as we were driving up from Surrey, and of course you're on Highway 1, and you go through Chilliwack, and then you take that turn at Hope, and it kind of angles up. It still says one east, but it's kind of more northeast, I think. And you start heading up, and pretty soon you go, through, uh, you go through Hell's Gate. You know, that little sign, you're now going through Hell's Gate. And so my son Coulter sent me a text as we were driving, because we were two per car, so one person could ride shotgun and, uh, and kind of like be in communication with the other vehicle. He said, Dad, we just left hope behind, and now we're headed through Hell's Gate. <laughs> so that was a little bit ominous, but um, it gets better. You get into the, all the 100-mile and the 150-mile houses, and it's beautiful countryside. What a beautiful drive, and God's creation is so awesome. And, um, of course, you get up to Williams Lake. It's so pretty around there, and Quinnell, and then you roll into Prince George, and we are just excited to be here. So we are going to start a series that I'm going to take you through through the summer, and it's called Power to Change. Today is Pentecost Sunday, and uh, some of you might be aware of that, some of you might not. Pentecost Sunday, of course, is the day that the Holy Spirit fell, as recorded in Acts chapter 2, and really is the birth of the church age, or, or the age of the Holy Spirit. Jesus had promised it. Back in the Last Supper in John 14 and 15, he was telling the disciples, I have to go away, but don't worry, I'm sending you the counselor, the comforter, the spirit of truth. And that came to fruition in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost really means 50. It's 50 days after Passover. Jesus stayed for 40 days, and it took 10 additional days as they were waiting in the upper room patiently believing for that promise that he said would come. So we're going to get into this this morning. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 2 as we take a look at this series called Power to Change. Now, uh, on the cards on the table, uh, there is an organization 
that does ministry called Power to Change that was formerly called Campus Crusade for Christ. In fact, my, my son Coulter does marketing for them. He works for them. And my wife Carrie used to work for them. So, but they didn't come up with this slogan all by themselves. You know, this was around, I think, before they decided to adopt it as their new setting. So I feel comfortable to use this as our theme for the summer, Power to Change. We're going to look at Acts chapter 2, and this is what it says. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house that they were sitting Think about this, like a tornado. If you've ever been in a hurricane, and I've been in a couple of those, you know, near hurricane force winds, uh, it will shake and rattle that house. It gets your attention. So a violent wind, it says, came from heaven and filled the whole house that they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Now, there was 120 people in this room. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. It caused a stir. Jerusalem was being shaken. The Holy Spirit fell. We're going to drop down to verse 14. It says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as some of you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Let's pray. Lord, we pray now for the next few moments that you would open up our hearts, O God. We love you, and we're grateful, dear Lord, that you are here with us by your Spirit. You live and reside in every Christian believer. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, cleanse us now by your grace and forgiveness, we pray. If anything not of you, give us an open heart, a teachable spirit, and help us to be hearers and doers of your word. We pray that it wouldn't go in one ear and out the other, but that we would really listen and really uh, contemplate these truths and then apply this truth to our lives as we live for you every day. Jesus, we ask, we give you all the praise in your name. Amen. So power to change. Number one this morning is this. Power to change comes through the Holy Spirit. This is the foundation of the series. This is Pentecost Sunday. And God the Father and God the Son are in heaven right now. It says that the Son sat down at the right hand of the Father. Jesus ascended, and one day he's coming again. How many are looking forward to that, amen? He is coming again. Whether you believe it or not, it's going to happen. So I want to be ready, and I plan to be ready by living for him each day. But the Holy Spirit, that third person of the Trinity, he is the one that indwells us. And we know the attributes of God that only he has. He is omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. He's omniscient, which means he is all-knowing. He knows what's in my heart and mine, what's in your heart and mine. If you're thinking about this message, if you're thinking about the game, if you're thinking about the roast beef that's going to be in the crock pot soon, he knows what we're thinking about right now. He is omniscient. The devil isn't. He doesn't know your mind, but God knows your mind. And then God is omnipresent, which means he can be everywhere at once. The devil can't be everywhere at once. 
He has to use his little minions to go and, you know, give people a hard time. He can only be at one place at one time. God is omnipresent, which means he can be everywhere. So he lives in me and in you and in every Christian believer all over the world. That's pretty cool, right? Those are attributes that only God has. And so the Holy Spirit is the one who lives within us, and everything we do is empowered by the Spirit. He is the power. This is what Jesus said in Acts 1.8. Just before he was ready to ascend to heaven, Jesus described the primary reason for the promised baptism of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, Pastor Scott, is to have tongues. Well, the tongues are nice, but that's actually just a side benefit. You know what the real reason is? He said this, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. Ready? One, two, three. Power. We have power for witnessing, power for life, power for living victorious for Christ. That's the Holy Spirit within you. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The arrival of the Holy Spirit initiated the church age and verifies that we are in the last days. Why? Because this is what, this is what Peter said. This is what was prophesied in the, in the prophet Joel chapter 2, that in the last days I will pour out my spirit. Peter is saying this is now happening. So it initiated then. We know we are in the last days because Peter declared that very clearly. Um, we need power in our lives. Because how many besides me get tired and weary of the daily grind sometimes? Anybody? And, you know, I've been a pastor now for 30 years, but I have had other jobs, just so you know. You know, I, I have done roofing. I have delivered furniture. When I was young, going through Bible college, I worked at a sub shop. I worked at, uh, oh, just anything you can think of. I, I've done it. I've sold shoes. I've pumped gas. I've worked in topsoil industry, making topsoil working my way through school, trying to scrimp and save and get through. My folks helped me some with tuition, but, uh, but we had to kick in and we had to contribute. And so I worked through the summers. I worked during school. I had two part-time jobs while I was going to Bible college full-time in Minneapolis, and then I transferred to, to uh, Washington to Northwest College to finish up. But I've had lots and lots of different jobs, and any job you are in, after a while, we get tired. We have a certain amount of battery charge, and it can get depleted. And so I love what Isaiah says, they that wait upon the Lord, what? They renew their strength. We need to wait upon him in prayer and praise and reading his word so that we get strengthened and empowered because we got to go face the day. We got to go tackle the week and, and hopefully do it the right way. When an engine loses power in an automobile, it's done. And years ago, when I was in Bible college, I had a car. It was not my first car. My first car, you want to know what it was? It was a pretty hot ride. It was a 74 Ford Pinto. Not a babe magnet at all. I mean, if anybody wanted to go out with me, I knew it was because of me and not my automobile. So 74 Ford Pinto, and I was able to pawn that off on my younger brother, sold it to him for a few hundred bucks, and I got a 77 Plymouth Colt, so I bumped up, you know, a whole three years. But at least it wasn't a Pinto. It was a Plymouth Colt, and uh, back before it became Dodge. And so I drove that. I had that at Bible College. And everything was fine. I was going to school at Northwest, which is in Kirkland, Washington, just, just a little suburb of Seattle. My folks were living in White Rock, and I would go back and forth on occasion on weekends and go get a home-cooked meal 
And I was heading home one weekend from school, and I was coming up Interstate 5 as you go uh, through Mount Vernon before you get to Bellingham, before you get to that area, if you're familiar with the northwest there. I was coming up through Mount Vernon, all of a sudden, bam, my car just died. And what happened is I threw a rod. I didn't know what happened at the time. I just know it wouldn't work, and it died completely. And so I got it off the side of the road, and this was years ago before everybody had a cell phone. In fact, that cell phone technology was just started to come out. And so I got a ride. A, a police officer came by, picked me up, and he took me to the local Denny's. And from Denny's, I used the pay phone, and I called my dad, who was living in White Rock, that's a couple hours away, and I said, Dad, my engine's blown. It's no power. Without power, we're dead in the water, right? And I said, you know, what do I do? He said, well, Scott, don't worry. I'll come and get you. We'll pull it home. Okay, that's great. So thankfully, I was in a Denny's. There's always good smells and aromas, and I can't remember if I had anything to eat or not, but I had somewhere comfortable to relax for a little while, and sure enough, about an hour and a half, maybe two hours later, my dad arrived, and he was driving an Audi 5000, which is a sedan. It wasn't a truck. It wasn't even an SUV. It was just a family sedan, but he arrived, and he said, okay, Scott, this is what we're going to do. I couldn't find a chain. There was no tow chain. Okay, well, I guess we don't have a chain. That would have been best. And he said, also, I looked, and there was no rope. We don't have any rope. Okay, no chain, no rope. What are we going to do here? We are going to really basically redneck this sucker. And he said, this is what I've got. I've got an extension cord. <laughs> and if we wrap it around a few times, I think it will be strong enough to pull you, and we'll head on the highway, we'll head home. This is a true story, folks. You can't write this stuff. My dad was many things. He was a great scholar. He was a man of God. He was not a mechanic. And so no chain, no rope. All we had was an extension cord. And sure enough, we looped it about three times between the two automobiles. But the problem is it's about a 30-foot cord. So now you only have maybe, you know, seven or eight feet between these two cars. And so uh, we, we wrapped it around. I got in the... In the uh, in the Audi, pardon me, he got in the Audi, I got in the Plymouth Colt, and my mom came and sat beside me, I guess for moral support, and my dad was in the car in front, and so off we go, getting on the freeway. Now, we got to get up to freeway speeds, but once he slows down, if I'm not slowing down with him, those two cars collide, so when he braked, I had to brake, and when he let up on the guy, I had to make sure I wasn't touching it so that we could keep in continuous speed. And uh, we took that thing all the way to the Canadian border. This was pre-9-11. This was pre-COVID, pre-all of that. And believe it or not, they led us through the border with this Jimmy Rig thing. We got all the way to White Rock safe and sound. Praise the Lord. But see, when that engine lost power, there was nothing I could do. You've got to repair it. You've got to fix it. And so once I got it home, we were able to get it to a mechanic. And you know what? We replaced that Plymouth Colt with a Hyundai Pony engine. And remember the Hyundai Ponies? They were really cheap. They, they weren't that great of a car. They got better. Hyundai's a real nice car now, but, you know, 30 years ago, it wasn't anything to write home about. But we put the Hyundai Pony engine into the Colt. So the Pony and the Colt merged as one, and it became a usable vehicle. We need power. We get weary. We get broken. 
And there's only one power source that's really going to last you through life. No, it's not pharmaceuticals. They might help a little bit and get your caffeine with your Starbucks in the morning, but the reality is we need God's power on the inside so that we can live successfully day to day. If you believe that, say amen. And that's why Jesus gave the Holy Spirit. You will receive power. You will be able to live for me. You'll be able to witness for me. And I'm going to use that power to do sometimes miraculous things. I'm going to give you gifts. I'm going to give you characteristics. I'm going to give you power for living. So there are several important functions of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. So here's some things that the Holy Spirit does. He empowers us to live and witness for Christ. We established that. He also helps and comforts us. John 14, 16, Jesus said he will be your comforter, your counselor. He also convicts us of sin. John 16, 8, Jesus said he will convict the world of sin because we need to know when we're doing wrong and we need to know when we're doing right. So he gives you that peace, that confirmation, that validation. You feel good when you're doing something right, but you feel that uneasiness, right? That little check, that uneasy uh, feeling in your heart where you know something's not right. Well, that's conviction. And the Holy Spirit will convict us when we're doing something that's not right. He guides us into all truth. John 16, 13. Jesus said he will guide you into truth and it will always align with his word. He helps us grow spiritual fruit, which is Christian character, the fruit of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All that that's listed in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. That's spiritual fruit. That's the fruit of the who? Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps to birth that in you and helps you develop that when we partner together with Him. He doesn't take us over, though. Let's establish this right now. The Holy Spirit is that still, small voice, amen, prompting you and prodding you, guiding you, directing you, but He doesn't take you over like some sort of a marionette puppet. Years ago, my dad went to Mexico, and he brought back this little Marachi marionette puppet, and it was the creepiest thing uh, but it was kind of cool, too, and I always remember it. I kind of wish I had it now. But you have to move the arms and move the legs. You have to animate it. You cause it to move. Well, we were given free will. We have to choose this day who we're going to serve. Amen? And each day we choose to live our faith, to listen to the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit, to apply His Word, put action to our faith that James says we're to do. We make the choice. We partner together with Him. He's there to help us. Another name for the Holy Spirit is the paraclete. It means the one who comes alongside, like helps us, right? But we're partnering together with the Lord, choosing to live for Him. So He guides us in truth. He helps us grow spiritual fruit, that Christian character. He also imparts spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and that'll be another uh, sermon for another day. But the, the gifts of the Spirit, right, that He gives us, um, the spiritual gifts, of course, we know there's tongues and interpretation, there's prophecy, there's a gift of faith, gift of miracles, gift of discernment, uh, wisdom, all these different gifts that we need. And I'll take any good gift that the Lord is willing to give me because I want to live victorious for him every day. So he gives us spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and he also seals us for God as a guarantee that we are his, 2 Corinthians 1.22. These are things that the Holy Spirit does. Aren't you glad that he's in our lives? Amen? That, that Jesus didn't just leave us as orphans. He said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will be with you. I'm going to give you my spirit. He will live in you. He's powerful. Now, number two this morning is this. Power to change comes through unity. 
It begins with the Holy Spirit. He is the agent of power, but he will operate when we are living in unity. The 120 disciples were gathered in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. That's at 50 days after Passover. They were together, unified in purpose and obedience to the Lord. Jesus told them, hey, uh, you're going to receive power, but go and wait for my promise. Notice he didn't tell them what it would look like, what it would be like. When we pray for things, do we sometimes get a picture like, this is how God is going to help me with this? Okay, maybe we're short on cash, and uh, I need $500 because we got an unexpected bill. So, Lord, just give me $500 in the mail. Or the government, they owe us money, right? We pay them so much. Lord, 500 bucks. And it might not come. Maybe you get an opportunity to do a side job that will pay $500. It's not always the way we think, but God meets all the need, right? He promised that. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your need. Not always all our wants and not our greed, but our need. That's the promise. And so uh, we want him to move in our lives, but we need to be united together. And so Jesus said, wait for my promise. He didn't tell him what it would look like or how it would come, how it would be manifested. And so it didn't happen on the first day. Again, he was there for 40 days until he ascended back to the Father. And he gave him the great commission, now go and make disciples. And now go wait for my promise. Day one, it hasn't come yet. Well, it's okay. I mean, it's going to take a couple of days at least. Day two, it hasn't come yet. Kind of like our furniture that we're waiting to come from the big steel box. Um, it's kind of like the rapture. You don't know when it's going to come. Just be ready and it'll come. Uh, so day three, how many might be getting a little frustrated or starting to doubt? You know, after day three, four, five, it's like, are we doing the right thing here? Do we miss, we're, we're all in this upper room, we're praying, we're waiting, but nothing's happening. All I know is there's Bill and there's John and, you know, I, you know we're all getting tired of each other by now. And they could have started arguing, they could have started turning on each other, they could have started, you know, debating about theology and what Jesus really meant and the important aspects of the Christian life, but they continued to pray and wait, and they were there in the upper room all in one accord. It took 10 days until finally, boom, that's when the wind came, that's when the fire came. How many know sometimes we have to wait, amen? I know this church has been waiting for a move of God, and God has moved. We're so grateful for many years of, of good blessing, and yet we want fresh fire, and we want a fresh new move, and, and that's a good thing to desire. God wants us to desire those things. Let's not get complacent, and let's not, you know, just rest on our laurels. Let's continue to press in for more of God, but he promises, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Do you believe that? But he says, ask, and you shall receive. What did Jesus say? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They're the ones that are going to be filled. Are we really hungry? Are we willing to press in and pray and believe and work in unity and live in unity and work the fields of harvest because God is ready, willing, and able to use us and to bless us and to do extraordinary things when we do what he's called us to do. Amen? So I believe that that's going to be the case here. I'm excited for the days ahead that the Lord has for all of us. It comes to unity. They were in the upper room waiting, praying, and bam, then the Holy Spirit fell. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, the Apostle Paul wrote this, Walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering, 
bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. You see, unity is something that we have to work at. It doesn't always come natural because our natural carnal nature wants to have our own way. We get kind of selfish. I want my way. I'm right. You're wrong. And, you know, if you don't like it, I'll just take my marbles and go somewhere else, right? We get upset. We get kind of a little bit immature spiritually at times. Hey, we're all guilty of it. I've been guilty, right? We like our way. But unity, again, let's read that verse. With all loneliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep that unity of the Spirit. Another scripture says, do everything you can to live at unity with one another. So, you know what? Unity is something that uh, you'd have to achieve, and it requires effort on our part to achieve it and then to maintain it. You've got to continue to keep a humble heart, working together, putting the needs of others before your own. And they were walking in unity, and God blessed them. This is what happens. God loves unity, and he will promise blessing. Psalm 133, how beautiful it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. It's like the oil of running over Aaron's beard. The oil symbolizes the blessing of the Holy Spirit. And he said there is a blessing for them. So when we walk in unity, God's going to bless that. Amen? But a house divided against itself with disunity cannot stand. These are kingdom principles. It applies in churches. It applies in workplaces. It applies in your home, in your marriage. If you walk in unity, there's blessing. If you are always fighting, there is destruction, right? A house divided against itself cannot stand, Jesus told us in Mark 3.23. But God loves unity and there's promised blessing when we walk and live together in unity. And so that's what the disciples did and the Holy Spirit fell in a powerful way. Finally, this morning, number three, power to change is available to everyone today. It's available to all today. Peter addressed the crowd gathered in bewilderment and declared that the baptism of the Holy Spirit had been prophesied in Joel chapter 2, available to them and to future generations. He said it's for you and your children and for all who are far off. And we have, you know, wonderful brothers and sisters in the Lord in different denominations, and some of them don't believe the gifts are for today. You know, that's up to them. And we still have unity because we're one in Christ. Amen? Speaking in tongues is not going to send you to heaven. Living for Jesus is what will send you to heaven. Amen? So, you know, I have great fellowship with my local ministerials and my Baptist friends and my Nazarene friends and my Mennonite friends, and we need each other. You know, we have commonality. We have common ground. Uh, but for those that don't believe, this is a scripture that's kind of hard to get around because Peter is very clear that the Holy Spirit is for you and your children and for all who are far off, basically saying, in my interpretation, I think it's, a, it's one that's highly accepted, is that generationally, it's for all generations, this blessing of the Holy Spirit. And we know it's for today because many of us in this room experience it. He's given it to us. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was at summer camp, and I still enjoy that prayer language today, right? So you know it's real when it's happened to you. It's easy to be a skeptic if you know, you haven't experienced it, but just be open. Let the Lord do what he wants to do. And he might give you different gifts. Maybe he'll give you the gift of faith. Boy, we could use more of that today, amen? The gift of discernment. We need to be able to discern right from wrong and make good choices. You know, whatever it is, just say, God, give me whatever you want to give me. I'm an open book. Do what you want to be done in my life. 
Isn't that what Jesus prayed? And the, the model prayer that your kingdom come and your will be done? All boils down to letting God be God in our life. Amen? And when we do that, He will use you and bless you and do wonderful, extraordinary things in and through your life. It's available to all today. Uh, God gives us His Holy Spirit to help us in our daily lives. So as we're open, we say, Lord, just fill me, strengthen me, empower me, use me. He's going to guide and direct you and use you in extraordinary ways. He gives us that power to change. I want us all to stand this morning. Can we do that? Amen. Brother, if you can come back and join us on the guitar there. Let's go ahead and bring the whole worship team back. And if we could sing that song that you guys were singing about Jesus, his name. Uh, that was such a powerful song. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes as we pray. And then we're going to just respond here in a moment. But let's take it to the Lord. Dear Jesus, right now, Lord, I just thank you that you are with us, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave us your Holy Spirit, that we're not left alone, but you never leave or forsake us. You are with us. You are with us wherever we go. In fact, Romans says the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. That powerful Holy Spirit that raised you from the dead, dear Jesus, you gave that to us so that we could have strength for living. And just as the worship begins to play, just go ahead and begin playing that softly, guys, if you would. I want to ask you this question this morning. If you're here, and I trust that everybody here knows Jesus as their Lord. But as I am new to this congregation, and I don't know each and every one of you at this point, there might be somebody here that says, Pastor Scott, I, I heard what you had to say, but I need to get things right with Jesus. I want him to be the Lord of my life. And it's a matter of believing who he is, that he's God's son who died on the cross and he rose again on the third day and then receiving him as your Lord. John 3.16 says, Whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. If there's anybody here that you want to do that, you want to have that abundant life, have that power in your life, would you slip up your hand? i would be more than happy to pray for you right where you stand. Amen. Amen. I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but we can pray and get things right. Amen. The most important decision we'll ever make. Anybody else? You say, I want to know that I know that Jesus is the Lord of my life. Amen. Secondly, if you hear it, you say, Scott, would you pray for me because... I need that fresh endowment of power that Jesus promised. I need that power in my life. And what we're going to do, and we're just going to open up these altars here in a, in a couple moments. But if you need that strength, maybe for witnessing, maybe for, uh, for stuff that you're going through currently in your life, difficulties you're experiencing, but you need that fresh anointing and fresh empowerment. Just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you too. Slip it up if that's you. We're going to pray and believe for that. He's here to give it to us. Amen. Amen. So what I'm going to do is we're going to pray together, and I'm going to pray for you, and we're going to just join our hearts and our faith as one. And then we're just going to open up the altars. We're going to do a soft closer at this time. So if you want to come and just seek the Lord for His power, I'll be available to pray for you. My wife is available. We have a, a wonderful board here that would be happy to pray as well.
but we're just going to open up these altars. But let me pray right now just before we do. Dear Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you are with us. Lord, as I said before, and your word declares, you never leave or forsake us, O oh God. You gave us your spirit, O oh Lord, to empower us, to help us, to come alongside us. Lord, forgive us, we pray, for our mistakes. And Lord, for those who need to accept you, I pray that they would just, right now, that they would allow you and believe in you, Jesus. And I just encourage you, if that's you this morning, say, Jesus, be my Lord. Forgive me and come into my heart, come into my life, and I choose to serve you, Jesus, as Lord and follow you all the days of my life. Lord, I pray for those this morning that need that empowerment. We pray for a fresh new anointing, dear Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and just fall on us, O Lord. I pray that you would empower us right now. Lord, give us a fresh new anointing. We pray for wisdom and discernment. We pray for strength. We pray for boldness. We pray that you give us all the good gifts that you have to give us, O Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we're hungry. We're thirsty. We ask it right now, O God. Lord, nothing is more important than this place right now, than in your presence where there's fullness of joy. So strengthen and empower us by your spirit, we pray, O oh Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name, in faith believing, amen, amen. Now, if you need to slip out quietly, you are uh, uh, allowed to go. We thank you so much for being here. But what we're going to do is I'm going to ask Chad if you would just lead this psalm. And as the worship team leads us, we're just going to open up these altars. And if you want to, you can sit in your chair. You can come up to the front. If you need special prayer, just come find me. I will pray for you. We're going to believe for God to meet every need. But we're just going to turn this into a house of prayer and praise for the next few moments. Can we do that? So lead us, if you would, worship team. Amen. Amen. Praise your name. Lord, we're so grateful that you are with us and for this wonderful time together, dear Jesus. Lord, we pray as we go from this place that you will bless every person. God, help us to live and shine for you every day, Jesus. Use us as your light, as your witness, and we thank you for the power that you give us by your spirit, we pray. Lord, just give us a great week in you, we pray. We love you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for being a part of this service. If you want to hang around and visit and fellowship, uh, you are welcome to do so. And thank you, worship team, for leading us this morning. Amen.